Are you a healthcare organization struggling to achieve success? What if I told you that success not only depends on strategy, but also on the right mindset? At the Mindset Gap, their team of seasoned consultants understand the critical role mindset plays in achieving organizational excellence by empowering your workforce to think innovatively, embrace change, and adapt to new challenges. So imagine your workplace, one where your employees and patients thrive, where creativity and productivity go hand in hand, and where obstacles become opportunities. Don't let your organization fall into the mindset gap. Take the first step towards unlocking your potential today and email assist at themindsetgap.com with the referral code GENCAN20 to schedule a consultation. Me personally, Mm -hmm. when people make those out to be cure-alls, like if they say, you know, meditation, for example, that is a, that is not a cure for PTSD. And the reason I'm saying that is because anybody who has PTSD, who does meditation and expecting it to heal their PTSD is going to be disappointed. And then it's yet another thing that's not helping them. They feel more alienated than connected and they don't want to get their hopes up to try new stuff either. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I'm saying is, Um, all that stuff in terms of dialing down your nervous system is good, but you can't necessarily expect it to make all your stress go away. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. This is a safe space where we invite healthcare providers to unapologetically be themselves after the working day. My name is Jennifer George, and each week I will connect you with guests and stories that will help transform your stress to success and fulfillment. Are you with me? Grab your drink of choice and let's chat. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you today with Dr. David Bonanno. Dr. Bonanno is a psychologist in Connecticut who has helped over 16,000 people with PTSD. He himself is also a PTSD survivor. And on this episode, Dr. Bonanno and I talk about PTSD. He, He gives us more clarity and insight on what it actually is, and also what solutions are out there that can further help those who are suffering with PTSD. You don't want to miss this episode. He's very insightful. He's had a lot of experience personally and professionally. So grab your drink of choice and join us. Hey, Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jen. I uh, I listened to a couple of your episodes, and I could I could just tell how passionate you are about healthcare and and reform and all that. So I, it's a real pleasure and honor to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, it's been four years for me now. So um, you know, similar to yourself, I'm trying to be a part of a solution as well, and trying to contribute in some small way to both providers and and patients on the front lines. So thank you for being here. I'm excited to chat with you today about PTSD, which is not a very you know, exciting topic to discuss, but, (laughs) but at the same time it is, because I feel like there's so much more that I know um, about it, right? Like, I just feel like it's one of those topics where you can just keep talking about it 
and trying to figure it out, but not really completely have it all figured out. Yeah, it's been like the real big buzzword in psychology for like 10 years now. But if you ask even like a so-called expert, what is PTSD? They don't have a ready, convenient, memorable definition for you. In fact, if you look it up, you only, you don't even see a definition. It's just a list of symptoms. So I, I came up with one myself and yeah, we could, we could talk about that. Okay. I'm excited to do that, but I'm just going to have you backtrack a little bit then and just tell me a little bit more about yourself and how you ended up like in psychology and with this focus on PTSD? Sure thing, yeah. I remember the first day of grad school and we were all sitting eating lunch and I asked, uh, I asked, so why did you guys decide to become psychologists? And then this one woman looked up from her sandwich and she said, because I'm fucked up. Aren't you fucked up? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I She's love like, that. I want to figure out wh- what's wrong with me and what to do about it. And and yeah, that's why I became a psychologist. And, you know, I kind of always had this burning question in my mind, even since I was a kid, like, how could smart people do such stupid stuff? Like, I just really was dying to understand people and myself and and why they would do things that weren't quite logical or didn't make sense or weren't good for them. And so, I mean, I, I grew up, um, it was tough. Like, my mom was depressed and I didn't have a very good bond with her when I was a kid. And and then when I was 14, she had a stroke and she became handicapped for life. And then right after that, my dad got cancer and died. Oh my God. So everybody was telling me, oh, you're the man of the house now. And I had to take care of my brother and my mom. And and like one, but the, the, as soon as I got my um, driver's license, like there was one day where I drove my mom to physical therapy and I drove my dad to chemotherapy and my brother to basketball practice. And I had to do my homework in the car. So it was just like my childhood was gone and I became really depressed uh, for quite a long time. Like in after college, I, I was uh, I spent maybe 15 years just super depressed and addicted to food and alcohol and, and, and marijuana. And so I, I became a psychologist. I didn't quite get the answers that I was looking for. And I mean, I learned a lot about a lot of stuff. But I, I couldn't answer that question, and I, I still couldn't answer for myself why was I doing things that weren't very healthy for myself or you know feeling or thinking things that didn't make sense. And so I started my private practice, and in Connecticut, you in order to qualify for medical marijuana, you have to the only mental health diagnosis is PTSD. Otherwise, you have to have a serious medical condition. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple of my clients ask me for a letter diagnosing them with PTSD so that they could do that. And then I realized how many people out there really do have PTSD. And so I, I just became the first person in the United States to to really help people do that. Um, so I, I started a business and, and I actually had the opportunity to talk to over 10,000 people myself since wow. 2017. So I learned so much about PTSD from all these people anecdotally that I just wouldn't have learned by the traditional ways of studying or reading books and, and stuff like that. I learned that I myself totally have PTSD. Uh, I never thought I did. And every doctor I ever saw just wanted to, you know, call it anxiety and here's some pills. And um, another thing is my son passed away a couple of years ago. So that's that's just another trauma. Mm-hmm. But I started to think about PTSD in a, in a just a very different way, I think, than a lot of other people. I describe it as your 
fight or flight system is just really kind of always active and there's not much you can do about it when you're triggered or threatened or stressed out and and your brain your logical brain goes offline and personally i used to really hate myself because i just couldn't understand why i kept doing or feeling or thinking things that were quote wrong and so then i i kind of figured it all out and then i wrote about it in my book and i also coined this term uh, called being adrenalized, which I would love to talk about because I think that really uh, res- appeals. It's, it's apropos to healthcare workers and first responders because it's not just that you guys have to deal with such horrible stuff. It's also that you have to have tons of adrenaline in order to do your job. And mm-hmm. then I, that brings on symptoms that are that parallel PTSD. Interesting. First of all, I'm very sorry about your son. I had no oh, idea in in research, researching you that that had happened. So I'm sorry about that. And your parents are they still living? Have, have they since? Oh yeah. Passed? So my my dad passed when I just right after I turned 16, and then oh. my mom. I think that just really broke her, and then she became really abusive. And mm-hmm. so I, and she definitely met the criteria for a narcissistic personality disorder. Mm-hmm. So she just died um, in the end of July. And yeah, I, I I mean, it wasn't, I had already grieved not having the mother that I wanted. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, you know, much of a shock or really, I didn't have to do all that much in terms of internal psychological work after she passed. But yeah, she was just a real nasty person to me and my brother. And it was, that was really more damaging maybe than anything else. Right. I'm so sorry. So would you say similar to your your um, colleague in school, were you go? Did you go into psychology thinking you could help the way you were better understand yourself and help the way you were feeling back then? Like, is that also partly why you went into it as well? Yeah, I, I can't uh, say otherwise. I, I yeah. was just, yeah, I really wanted to answer for myself. And right, I think that's great, though. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you didn't find them, you you did on your own essentially you know, helping others now who feel the same way, who feel like nobody understands what they're going through, or maybe are not getting anywhere. Um, so are a lot of your clients, people who have been through the system, so to speak, and have um, had, you know, traditional therapies, cognitive behavioral therapy, perhaps talk therapy, and have not been successful? Like, is that what you see a lot of or people who have not had any therapy at all? No, I, I really would say it's that first category. And, you know, it's, it is such a terrible feeling when the help doesn't help Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're still so messed up and everybody who, who cares about you they're they don't know what else to say. So they're like, well, go, go to the professionals. I tried 17 different pharmaceuticals in, in my day and nothing really helped me much for my PTSD. And then when it came to talk therapy, I did 26 years of talk therapy on and off, including EMDR. And I think in a lot of ways, it really kind of made it worse because of course, you know, therapy is great for a lot of different uh, reasons and for a lot of different diagnoses and a lot of different people. But when it comes to PTSD, whatever you focus on, you magnify. And I think that talk therapy is really, you know, based on the work of Freud in the 1880s. And the assumption is that you're supposed to be releasing your pain as you talk about it. I really disagree. Maybe for the first time, if you've held it in for 20 years or something, after that, you're just rehearsing your pain. 
and and so so many people go to therapy for years and years and they they're really just kind of ripping the scab off every session and i mean jen i had to schedule time after every session to go for a long walk because i wouldn't be in a condition to drive home and mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm asking my therapist is this really helping me and you know she said well it's it's hard work so you you just got to do it uh, meanwhile, you know, she was getting paid and I mean, she was doing what she thought she was supposed to be doing, but I just have a real exception to the way that most therapy is done, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to trauma. And do you think part of that, David, and I'm not trying to assume anything. I just want to know more from your expertise and experience is part of it that people are not like properly diagnosed maybe as well. Like, cause you kind of said that PTSD when you, you know, when you look it up is really just a list of symptoms but you define it differently than what we what we see commonly. So could that be also a part of the issue is that maybe it's more PTSD that people are dealing with or being misdiagnosed with it? You know, I do meet people with absolute horror stories and they do not get properly diagnosed. I mean, you know, nobody really wants to be seen as comparing themselves to war heroes or right. taking anything away from them or anybody else. And also, who wants to really define themselves by their unchangeable past and to be labeled as having a disorder? But Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, like, also, you know, when it comes to the actual diagnosis with the criteria in the DSM-5, there's 19 criteria. And if you have 18 of them, you have nothing. You have to have all 19 of them. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think quite a lot of times people do not get the correct diagnosis I mean, it's so strange how in grad school I was taught to zero in on everything that ever went wrong in somebody's life, but never to call it PTSD. Right. And so, um, yeah, that's a problem. But also, I think that talk therapy just doesn't work for PTSD and cognitive behavioral therapy especially does not work for PTSD because it has nothing to do with that logical part of your brain. So, I mean, I think a lot of times therapists just feel handcuffed and helpless because, you know, you help people think about how they're thinking and you sort of sort a lot of things out and you can help them to have some insight. But when it comes to actually healing the trauma, I think most people don't have the tools. And I, I did invent my own therapy that is remarkable for actually doing that. It's called de-adrenalization. But yeah, most of the time, Jen, I, I think people just don't have the right technology to be able to help people get past it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you said earlier, too, that I thought was interesting was that, you know, our being on the front lines of being in the healthcare, um, we have to have the adrenaline to do our work. So we have to have the energy and the, the physical energy to do our work. But also, that can also, um, I think, paraphrasing what you said, can also heighten our par- like our sympathetic nervous system and cause us to be more in that fight or flight response and for longer, perhaps. So that makes us also susceptible susceptible uh, more so perhaps to PTSD. Is that correct? Am I getting that right? Yes. But, and you know, I kind of want to call it being adrenalized because it doesn't, it doesn't have all the stigma of having uh, PTSD, but also I think there really are two pathways to get to that state, which is, you know, to go through trauma, but also, yeah, like, you know, I, when I do talk to, I I had a whole bunch of firefighters in Texas um, recently, uh, get help I help them get their marijuana cards and I would ask them you know so why is what do you guys tell yourselves that you can't sleep you can't relax you can't really slow down and be present with your families 
half of you guys want to get drunk all the time and the the rates of divorce and addiction and suicide are catastrophic what why do you think that is and and this of course applies to healthcare workers especially yeah. in this day and age because you guys are so overworked um so anyway they have no idea they never have any idea right. uh, and i think it's yeah it's because your body is respond and your whole nervous system is responding yeah. to the demands of your career and then you and and if i could just tell you jen like my mom so she 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 got covid went to the hospital and then um they they called us to come pick her up and then we were getting ready to do that my, my brother and i and then they called and said she's in a coma and she's not looking good and so we um, ended up going to the ICU and and we said our last goodbyes and it was just horrible. Mm-hmm. My brother happened to know a doctor who worked in that hospital because he did some legal work for him. And so he said, can you just take a look at her chart? So the guy looked at her chart and it turns out that she has um, diabetes insipidus. And so she wasn't able to discharge salts or you know i guess toxins from body with through urine and she had been taking medicine for that for 10 years well nobody had looked at her chart they never look at her goddamn chart and so then when they said oh yeah let's try giving her her meds she snapped right back out of the coma and she's totally fine wow so we called the hospital we talked to the nurses basically they said we're just so busy wow and that is mind blowing to me. And I, and I really, so then, yeah, of course, as you can imagine, I was really upset, but instead of just being another person who's so angry with the healthcare system, I figured, well, maybe I could try to be part of the solution. Wow. That's a wild story. But thankfully, yeah. And and that's, and this is part of the reason why, like, I, I appreciate family so much because, um, you know, and working with patients is because, you know, your loved one's and your family members best and you you kind of know their routines more than anyone right so but yeah to just review the chart though like i i totally get that like no time for that wow <laughs> wow yeah so one of the solutions you were talking about was medical marijuana it sounds like um but what other solutions like to, in terms of healing our nervous system and de-adrenalizing perhaps what are other things that you incorporate in your therapies to to help people who suffer Right. So, of course, you know, like knowing what the problem is and having a proper diagnosis can be um, priceless. Like, uh, for example, I I never knew I had ADHD and I just thought I was spacey and I was just so upset with myself for being that way. Mm-hmm. And then when I, I, I realized that's what was going on, it just made so much sense. And I, I learned to adjust my expectations of myself. And I think that's so important, Jen, what we expect of ourselves and of life. And we're taught to have such high expectations, but really, I think we're kind of training people to be disappointed. Yeah. And um, yeah, so so if people can understand why they are the way that they are, that's a huge step right there. So, I mean, like, yeah, for me, I, I wrote that book, which is called Your Brain is a RoboCat finally understand your trauma response and that's because we have a logical part of our brain which is a robot and then when you're triggered or threatened or stressed out your your logical brain goes offline and and your cat brain takes over i call it a cat brain because we all know we can't get you can't get a cat to do what you want Mm -hmm. but um 
so yes, if you can be aware of what's happening for you and realize you're not crazy and that this is somewhat normal, um, and then you can get to work on solving it. If you can call it being adrenalized, you can talk to other people uh, like that you work with about it, and you you have this um, frame of knowledge to work from instead of that dirty word of PTSD. Then mm-hmm. that I think is you know a huge step in the right direction. But what I do personally in my work is to really kind of erase the effects of trauma. So I know that y'all in the healthcare industry see so much horrible stuff, and this there's so much wrong with the system. I mean, actually, I'm not terribly familiar with how it is in Canada, mm-hmm. but I, I hope it's not as bad as, I mean, we have, we have our pros and cons too, <laughs> for sure. Well, so yeah, like uh, what I do uses eye movement. So it's based on EMDR and I have people remember what was traumatic, like, you know, pr- like let's say like a kid dying in the ER for no good reason or something like that, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then they don't have to talk about it, which is great. And then you, you're using the eye movements to help them to make new connections between the left side and the right side of their brain. And it's a process called memory reconsolidation. And you're really kind of erasing the effects of the trauma. So if if you can take that off of people's plate, that helps a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And then of course, yeah, when it comes to, you know, regular techniques for dialing down your nervous system, I mean, there is of course, you know, meditation and mindfulness. And like, I listened to that episode you had with Dr. Annie White and and she seems like she had some good ideas, but the thing is like, I don't like it me personally, Mm -hmm. when people make those out to be cure-alls, like if they say, you know, meditation, for example, that is a, that is not a cure for PTSD. And the reason I'm saying that is because anybody who has PTSD, who does meditation and expecting it to heal their PTSD is going to be disappointed. And then it's yet another thing that's not helping them. They feel more alienated than connected and they don't want to get their hopes up to try new stuff either. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I'm saying is, all that stuff in terms of dialing down your nervous system is good, but you can't necessarily expect it to make all your stress go away. Okay. Well, that's amazing. Like everything you just shared there, it makes total sense to me. And and when you were talking earlier about, um, you know, people seeking help and, and not feeling better and actually in some cases feeling worse, I, you know, myself having been on the other side of the system too, like you feel like disappointed in yourself or you feel like you've let your team down, you know, your, your caregivers down in a way. So I can totally get where that loop can keep going, right. That, that disappointment and that cycle keep going, or like you said, not seek any further help because you become more reluctant when it comes to burnout. Like a lot of the the talk we, we do on the show too, is about burnout. And so when I think about burnout, you know, I think about like emotional and physical exhaustion, depersonalization, and now when I when we're talking about PTSD, I see now I see a stark contrast in the sense of the adrenalized part of it and the energetic part of it. It's like being unable to be wound down in a way or to relax or be in the moment as opposed to being exhausted. Um, is that a, a big distinguished factor between the two, would you say? Or are there other differences that you could identify between the two? I mean, yeah, like PTSD? How- I like how you're highlighting the that that contrast. I mean, you know, like some people are they'll they'll say like they're too tired to go to sleep, but and really right. it's like yeah, you know, like you're hyper vigilant and you don't feel good and you still you still have this adrenaline going and and yet you yeah, you just cannot rest. Yeah. 
and so like yeah you you are starving for rest but you you can't do it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that's that like that i i mean i've been in those moments myself and you're right like i've always just thought about it as my nervous system being unsettled or i often know what it's related to like traumatically speaking if it's something i've been through in the past that's kind of um come up again in my life in some way i i see the signs for myself i'm no i'm knowing when i'm in it which is quite interesting. So it's it's kind of cool that we're having this conversation about it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I've never thought of it as like in technically a PTSD, so to speak. I just thought of it as my, you know, my nervous system being very heightened. It's so weird. I mean, like I I totally have PTSD and yet it never occurred to me until 10 years after I got my doctorate. And then I was like, oh my God. Like actually what happened was there was a guy sitting on my couch and he, his symptoms were just like mine. And I, I really kind of flipped out. I'm like, Oh my God, I got freaking PTSD. And I was like grabbing my hair and he's like, are you okay? You're the doctor. You're supposed to be okay. And I'm like, I got freaking PTSD. Like wow. it was such an epiphany, but I, I mean that the, what I'm really trying to say is like how, yeah, like we just need to adjust a little bit our, our thinking about it because it's, it's just the archetype of PTSDs, the American combat veteran. And it's so burned into our brain. I was talking to a therapist mm-hmm. in Mexico and asking him, what is the you know uh, conventional wisdom about uh, PTSD in Mexico? And he said, well, everybody thinks it's just for American combat veterans. And I was like, well, what about the drug wars you guys have? It's so true, right? We're just so used to that that same definition. Which I guess applies too, but there's so much more to it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Is it possible to experience trauma and not have PTSD? Right. Yes, it is. So, it, you know, it comes down to how good are you at self-soothing? Mm-hmm. And like there's a study that came out about combat veterans, who, the, those who can show self-compassion and um, and soothe themselves fare much, much better. Of course, a lot of the times people go into the military because they're trying to get out of a chaotic or traumatic home life. Mm-hmm. And so like you're kind of picking people who are already, you know, sort of from, uh, prone to that. But I, I think that's, you know, super important. And and that unfortunately isn't something you can just decide to do. Like when mm-hmm. I was in grad school, I just remember all my peers and therapists and professors saying, you got to love yourself. And I just had no idea what the heck they were talking about. And, and it really, I think is because I I just didn't get it when I was a little kid. I mean, my parents followed the wisdom of the day. I mean, in the early 70s, you put that kid in another room and let him cry and be terrified forever, and you never go and check on him or show him any love or anything. And don't breastfeed him either because today's modern woman in the early 70s doesn't do that. So (laughs) I just didn't have that ability to to be soothed really. Mm. So I think that's number one, that's huge. And then the second thing is I think being able to make sense out of what happened is so critical. Being able to contextualize uh, what has happened. And, and so like, you know, when bad things happen to good people, mm-hmm. then if you, if you're around, like when my son passed away, I'm so thankful we had so much family and friends and we we're all looking at each other and regulating each other and grieving together. And we kind of all came out of that 
not necessarily feeling like it was going to happen to us Mm -hmm. or that it was going to happen again. And so what I'm saying is like, when you can't make sense of something, then your overall overarching sense of safety goes away. And then you start to feel like, well, what the heck else is going to happen to me? You know, right. So like, you know, one of the things that I, that impressed upon me when I was talking to an ER doctor was how stupid everything is. And, and he meant like how people treat each other, how people are shooting each other all the time, but also how stupid the system is, at least in the United States. Mm-hmm. And, and it just doesn't make sense. And that's what was really driving him crazy. And if he were able to kind of make sense and work from that perspective, I think that he would have been much better off. And, you know, that's where your, your spirituality can come in to play or really just how, how can you feel like you're still safe and that the world still kind of makes sense, even though, you know, doesn't necessarily. And, Mm -hmm. and when I drive home from work, I have to feel like I'm going to get home. But even, even though the chances are, there's, there's a small chance I won't. But so that's what I'm really kind of saying is that, yeah, that's really important is, can you make sense of the situation? Yeah. And that perspective, you know, and that's hard to do, I guess, when you're in it, right. When things are, you know, heightened at that point. But I find for me, like reflecting is very powerful. Like, so maybe in the moment I lose my, and and I don't want to say I lose it, but like I lose my emotion a little bit or my sense of my sense of everything, like not making sense, (laughs) you know, because I'm a very, I, I like to think of myself as a logical person. And when things just don't make sense, it throws me and emotionally that throws me. But yeah, but when I, when I, after I've released that emotion, I guess you could say, and I'm able to to ground myself again. Self-compassion has been huge for me too in doing that as well. And that's a practice that and self-soothing, that's like something I, I've been practicing more and more lately as well. And it really helps me to reframe and, you know, create a better perspective to um to let things go as well and move yeah, forward. That's great. Yeah. And and when you say reflecting, do you also like journal? I do. I journal. Yeah. I that's really good. If people think too much, then they can their thoughts can kind of spiral away from reality. But when you're when you're writing, you have to organize your thoughts in order to mm-hmm. get it on paper. And I, I think that's really healthy. Yeah. And I, I do it like I used to do it daily, but I've drifted from it lately because I've been busy. Um, but I what I've really been is just more heightened. You know what I mean? I've been in that that adrenalized state more, and I know that I have been. So I'm now unconsciously journaling because I know that's what pulls me back in and grounds me again. Um, gives awesome. me more clarity. Yeah. Um, so we're short on time. We've got about five minutes left, but I wanted to ask two more things. Can you tell me for people who do have PTSD, um, is it possible to resume a life of normalcy afterward? Because I know for some, it's hard to to get back to life for some of them or get back to their careers in healthcare, for instance. Yeah, I would say it it depends on how severe it is. Um, There are people who can go through some real hardships and then they get better. And then they they tell people like me, hey, you should just (laughs) do what I do and exercise and and think about it this way. And and like I had somebody who went through something terrible and then he told he said, well, I just told myself that I'm going to get back on the horse and keep riding. Well, if you've been through like several things like are just really damaged, like I have been, that's not going to make sense to you. And then you're going to feel much worse about yourself. So, I mean, I, I really think it depends on the severity. Um, time heals all wounds a little bit, 
but not all the way and not all that much. And and if you can do the, a correct, uh, uh, appropriate therapy that, I, in my opinion, uses eye movements and, and memory reconsolidation, then that can it's just miraculous. Amazing. And where can people connect with you, David, if they want to reach out? Yeah, so they can uh, go to my website, which is uh, doctor spelled out and then Bonanno. And the reason I say Bonanno is because that's how you remember that it's two N's at the end. So it's B-O-N-A-N-N-O.com. Or if you wanted to go to Amazon and look up RoboCat book, then uh, that would come up and also a link to my website there. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love for people to uh, check out my therapy. And then also I'm trying to get my public speaking career going. So if anybody would like to hear me uh, hyperventilate and get all, uh, <laughs> all excited. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I can come to your town and freak out. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I'll have to chat with you again soon. <laughs> Bring you back on. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for you know, all the people that you've had an impact on. Um, I think it's, I think I read over 16,000 people that you've actually um, been able to be of service to. Right. Yes. Thank you. Remarkable. Thank you. Okay. Well, we'll keep in touch and I hope people do uh, check you out and, and reach out. Thanks so much, Jen. Thanks, Dave. Take care. So if you guys like this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. Your feedback means everything to me. Your reviews are what moves this podcast forward, and I always appreciate receiving them. If you want to get a hold of me directly, reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the show notes. And you can always subscribe to my weekly newsletters at jenniferGeorge.co so that we can stay connected. So until next time, thank you guys so much again for your ongoing support.